Hey guys, Lebda's Legacy here. I'm just editing this episode of the podcast and just realized that the beginning of our um, intro sats uh, audio cut out. So basically the beginning is just going to be me talking about some random nonsense. But other than that, the rest of the podcast audio is perfectly fine and clear. So sorry about that and I uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you. Featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. Love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day Pod. Yeah, we're, yeah, you know, like you said, it's a back to back. It's versus Ottawa. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, we kind of all knew it was going to happen. It's unfortunately that it actually did happen. And it's one of the ones that, you know, went actually our way. But I don't know. I feel like. People are just still way too pissed off about the playoffs, so they're just thinking a little irrationally about tonight. Like, the Leafs were fine. They had a really bad second period. We'll admit that. Like, obviously, you want to clean that up, but, I mean, you go into a back-to-back against an Ottawa team and you put up 50 shots against, like, you do that, and 9.8 times you're going to you're gonna win. So, I mean, is it disappointing they lost? Absolutely. I'm not I'm not, you know, trying to give them a pass for that, but at the same time, Eh, like they they played well enough to win. They just didn't get it done tonight. Yeah, it wasn't their strongest performance. I can't really say that they deserve to win, and the deserve to win meter would agree. It actually had the Leafs at about forty three percent deserving to win tonight. We had forty seven percent Corsi, forty two percent of the scoring chances, and a forty six percent expected goal. So we kind of got what we deserved. We turned it on a little bit too late, and it's kind of funny that. You know, the, the Leafs went down 3 nothing in the thir- in the first period, but that wasn't even their worst period. I thought they actually, they just got really unlucky. The first goal obviously kicked in goal. We'll talk about that later. Probably shouldn't have counted. Second goal comes off an unlucky double deflection. And the third goal is another bad bounce. And you look at the scoring chances in the first period, and the Leafs actually outplayed the Sens there. They had, you know, 58% of the shots, 73% of the scoring chances, and they're down 3 nothing. And and you couldn't even really blame Mrazek at that point either. They were just – it was just one of those nights at that point. Yeah, and I mean, it's unfortunate because I feel like we say it's just one of those nights a lot with this Leafs team. But, yeah, like we, we both said, I mean, it is a back-to-back. It's the second game of the season. You know, I, I think people just need to really – and take a little bit of a step back, look at what happened tonight and say, okay, like if we play like that every time on a back-to-back, we'll do okay. We clean up one period and we have absolutely dominated the game. And so I, I think you just got to, you know, give these guys a little bit of a break. And I know that's kind of a little bit comedy coming from me after my uh, rants last playoffs, but I mean, it's a new season. Yes, there's lots of things to clean up, but at the same time, I think we just need to all take our foot off the gas a little bit, relax a little bit. They're still getting into the flow of the season. Back-to-backs are still tough. Like It's not like this is a Leafs-only problem. This happens to every other good team in the league. It happens all the time. Like we're not, we're not the only team that does this against bad teams. So, again, like I said, does it suck? Absolutely. But there's no need to, you know, absolutely freak out about this. No, and if you just take a look around the league, like Tampa Bay, their first game, they lost to a Malkin and Crosby-less Pittsburgh. And then you look at them right now, they're lo- as the, as we record this, they're losing 4-3 to Detroit. Like, you, you can't overreact to a small sample. And 
there was certainly nothing in this game that changed my opinion one way or the other about this Leafs team, especially without Austin Matthews. They just, it, that, that second period was by far the most disappointing part because they came out with a strong, like first five minutes of the period. And then Ottawa just absolutely caved them in. And uh, Peter Morazic was actually able to really hold the fort down to keep it three nothing. At that point you felt like it could have been five or six, nothing. And then, Things just got from bad to worse with Mrazek leaving right at the end of the second with an injury. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. I'll kind of have to keep my eyes glued to Twitter and see what happens about that. But yeah, like you said, you know, you can't really fault Mrazek on any of the goals tonight. And to to be honest, one of them just definitely shouldn't have counted. Um, And then, yeah, to see him, you know, kind of bounce back and make some big saves in the second and keep, keep the team in it when they were playing so poorly. And then, yeah, unfortunate the injury. And then we have Jack Campbell playing the third, and he looked every bit as good, um, to me at least, as he did last night in the third period. So, you know, I think there was a lot of, I don't know if question marks is the right word, but there was certainly a lot of disrespect from kind of the the mainstream hockey media about this Leafs goaltending tandem. And, again, the injury is really unfortunate, but I, I can't fault what I've seen so far from both of these goalies. Yeah, it's been really weird to see them, you know, I've seen a lot, like the general area where they rank the Leafs is between like 15th and 25th in goaltending. And it just, it doesn't really make sense to me. And they talk about it. We talked about this earlier, how people talk about Florida or Boston as a team that, you know, could, they're they're a little more solid than the Leafs in net. And you're you're like, really? Bobrovsky and a rookie or Jake Swayman and, and Linus Allmark, like, I don't know. I think the Leafs, as long as these guys stay healthy, which is the biggest question mark, and we saw it kind of come to roost today with Mrazek. That's that's more the, my concern with these guys is whether they can actually, you know, patch together 82 healthy games. But if they do, I don't think we're going to have a problem in net this year. No, it's certainly going into the season was not one of my main concerns. Again, Peter Mrazek injury is very scary. As we all know who the replacement coming in for that is, but we saw it last year. Jack Campbell just, you know, put his big boy pants on and won a bunch of games for us. And, you know, I'm expecting the same this year. And, I mean, we have the same kind of team returning too. Like, I don't expect much difference in terms of the defense and stuff like that. So, honestly, like, for us to sit here and predict that these goaltenders are going to play well or Jack Campbell's going to, you know, not cave under the pressure of being the Leafs starter is I think a very fair and rational kind of opinion to come to. And you make a point about the defense, how, you know, they, they have kind of, you know, they're kind of a, an area that we expect to perform pretty well, but two guys who, again, we talked about them last night who really struggled and, and they really kind of continued that tonight was Muzzin and Hall. Are you, are you worried about them at all yet? Or are you kind of holding off on the panic button? Yeah, I'd say I haven't pressed the panic button yet, but I am certainly going to watch Jake Muzzin with my eagle eyes for the next, you know, handful of games because, man, even tonight, like especially in the third period, I noticed he just looked just like he just didn't have the sauce. Like for whatever reason, he just looked slow. He was giving pucks away for no reason, not making smart decisions. So I, I don't know. Like, like I said, it's two games into the season. One, I'm not going to panic about the overall team's performance, and I'm not going to panic about any individual player's performance up to this point. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching Jake Muzzin a little more intently than some of the other Leafs uh, going forward. Yeah, I know we've seen this before from Muzzin in the past where he'll ha- be in the middle of a great season and he'll just kind of look like garbage for a couple games. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. He started off, I know it was preseason, but the first couple games really looking good. 
Um, I know they were talking on Twitter. One of the reporters had mentioned that Timothy Lilligren was warming up with the team and that he potentially might get into the lineup because of somebody nursing something. And he said it wasn't Travis Dermott related. So that gets me kind of wondering if Muzzin might be nursing something, which is probably my bigger concern with him is just being able to stay healthy for a full 82 games in the playoffs. I think, yeah, if, if he is nursing something, I don't know if he is, but I would definitely give the, give the guy some nights off. We, we you know, we want to give Timothy Lilligren a shot anyways. And next game's against Ottawa. If Muzzin were nursing something, I'd say, hey, Muzzin, take the night off. You know, we'll we'll slide old Timmy in there and see see what either Sandine or Dermot can do in the top six or top four. Yeah, exactly. And you know, kind of a perfect time to do it. Like we just played a Wednesday or a, sorry, a Thursday game. We don't play again until next week after the Saturday game. You give them like essentially a week off, basically. So yeah, you just you don't, you you don't need to force Jake Muzzin in the lineup right now, just because he wants to play now if he's not the one hurt then whatever maybe you know someone's just got a little bump and a bruise from blocking a shot last night and it's gonna go away naturally not gonna make any difference but yeah if you know jake muzzin's in that category any any of the older kind of veteran players i just don't think there's any reason with this leafs team to to make anyone play hurt because we don't want these guys falling apart in the playoffs like they kind of have done in the past injuries wise so yeah, I think that's where Sheldon Keefe is really going to have to almost make some tough decisions and consult the doctors and maybe take some choices away from players just for the betterment of the team going forward. Yeah, you look at the way they handled Matthews last year. He had that wrist thing all year and everybody was like, should he really be playing if he has this? And I know he he finished the year in fine form scoring-wise in the regular season, but then it kind of leaves you wondering, like, hey, if we gave him, you know, even five weeks off in the middle of the season, like we could have made the playoffs in spite of that. And you wonder what, how, how different things could have been. So if, if Muzzin truly is nursing an injury, I'd love to see them give him a rest. On the other hand, it's, it's probably not a major thing and he might just be shaking off some rust. It's it's early in the season. That's why you and I both said it. We're going to withhold judgment for a while. You can't, you can't look at one game samples, two games, even five games. You gotta, you gotta let these guys work and kind of see, See how they're performing before you make any any scooping decisions. One guy who's been getting no rest through the first two games of this year, and I could not be happier to see it, is our boy Willie Nylander. Again, 22-28 of ice time tonight, which you just love to see from Sheldon Keefe. It's obviously a byproduct of Austin Matthews being out of the lineup, but if he's playing Willie this much now, you got to think he's going to at least keep playing him 18 minutes going forward. You, you certainly hope so. And I think you said the key thing, like, is this just a byproduct of Austin Matthews being out? Or is this Sheldon Keefe actively trying to get this guy more ice time? And again, we did touch about on it a little bit last night, kind of wondering the same thing. But again, it rings true. You see William Nylander with 22 minutes, like, that's a good thing. He's performing well. He dominated the preseason, like, if we're gonna if we're gonna want this team to you know do what they can and do what they can do, ride the hot guys. William Nylander's flying right now. Give him as much ice time as he needs. Like I think I think one of the things that definitely Mike Babcock was really bad at is just having this idea in his head that certain guys need to play certain minutes and you know only certain guys can play certain roles and never mixing things up. And I think you know Sheldon Keefe a little bit is guilty of that too. 
but yeah, like there's no, there's nothing to say. Like the Leafs have done what they've done in the past. They need to just start like winging it a little bit more. Coaching staff just needs to be more flexible. We talk about it all the time. And William Nylander is just the absolute prime candidate for that. Like he's flying out there. He scored a goal. You know, he's getting all these chances. Like you need to let these guys cook. You make a great point about coaches being set in their minutes because that's something that that obviously we didn't watch it, but I heard was talked about in the documentary too, how Mikheyev was complaining about his ice time. And it just seemed kind of like a thing last year where they decided, okay, Mitch and Mitch and Austin are going to get their 24 minutes. Tavares is going to get his 20. Willie's going to get between 16 and 17. And it just felt like for the, the other guys in the lineup, no matter what they're doing, they're not getting rewarded with more ice time. So Keith does need to have more of a, meritocracy when it comes to minutes. If Andre Cash is playing really good, give the guy 18 minutes in a night. If Nick Ritchie's playing like garbage, give the guy nine minutes. If, you know, Michael Bunting is looking amazing, shoot him up with some ice time. And and I think that'll kind of, you know, spurn a little bit more desire in these guys so that they can, hey, I can, I can get more minutes. I can get more points. I can get a higher paycheck. It's just, you don't want to just keep rewarding guys for, for doing the mediocrity and not, not rewarding guys who are playing well. So I think that is definitely something that we'll need to see more from Keith. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it's even riding a hot hand with Willie. I think, I think this is just the Willie Neeland that we are going to see now. He, he led the team tonight and expected goals for amongst forwards, 63% in 15 minutes. He had, a, he was factored in on both goals with a goal and an assist. Like he is just, I think he's a man on a mission. I think, He's just clicked into that consistency in his game. And I think even you and I, as the biggest Willie Nylander fans, we could admit that there were just times when Willie turns it up a level. And I think what's going to truly make him great is just being able to consistently find that level. And I think I think he's reaching that part of his potential. Yeah, and it, it, it does come with maturity. Like these guys, people forget, like they came into the league so early. Um, and people forget that they still need time to mature. Like William Nylander is still, you know, a young hockey player that's just now entering his true prime of primes. Right. So it happens. Some people take longer than others. Some people get it right away. It's just different players, you know, develop differently. And that's why you see on Twitter, like not just us, but so many Leaf fans just defend this guy because it's there. It's just putting it all hundred percent together all the time. And again, I don't want to repeat ourselves too much because we did talk about it last night. But again, it seems like William Nylander might might have just that little bit of an extra gear this year. And again, we say it all the time. That just makes this team, again, so, so dangerous. Yeah, it makes it really dangerous. And speaking of guys entering their primes, Jason Spezza, he also had a multi-point night tonight. He had an absolute snipe of a goal on the power play. And then he set up Willie with a with a great pass. So Spezza, he has been really struggling five on five tonight. Expected goals of 7%. But I think that's more of the uh of the Wayne Simmons factor than anything, because I think I think uh, vintage still has that sweet, sweet bit of skill. Well, that's the thing. Jason Spezza last year was, you know, per minute, one of the best players in the NHL. That's just not going to all of a sudden go away in a couple months. You know, maybe he takes a little bit of a regression because he is a little bit older, but this is still a super skilled, super effective hockey player. And I'm glad you did bring up, bring up, you know, the quote unquote Wayne Simmons factor, because it's so evident that, you know, 
Jason Spezza is not going to be able to carry a line by himself anymore. And I mean, Wayne Simmons isn't even an NHL player at this point. So just having that and Michael Amadio, you know, we touched on it a little bit that maybe he's not, um, you know, just a complete minor league plug, but he's also not really an established NHL hockey player either. And up until this point, it certainly doesn't look like he's capable of, you know, at least carrying a line more possession wise so that, yeah, the skill of Jason Spezza and, Wayne Simmons, I guess, can, you know, kind of feast in the um, opponent's zone and, you know, can make the nice plays because they have someone that's, you know, able to just push their game up to another level. So, yeah, again, another very interesting talking point about this Leafs team because it's very obvious to me that Jason Spezza still has the desire to win. And, you know, you see him all the time. He's the one who drags the guys up. Like He shows that leadership. He's obviously still a very skilled hockey player, but we really do need to find some fourth liners that can, uh, you know, make up for Jason Spezza's downfall, which is on the defensive end, and also be able to, you know, drag him into the offensive zone a little bit because that's where he will cook and that's where we will get, you know, the most out of Jason Spezza. Yeah, I'm wondering if... um if maybe when when Matthews comes back, if they slide Engvall to that fourth line to kind of get a bit of speed going there, because we talked about Engvall, what a what a factor he can be for us at times. We also saw the downside of that tonight with him giving away the puck to to create the first goal that, although it shouldn't have counted, was still a very bad play by Engvall. But but you'd think a guy like him, if you throw him with Spezza and whether that's Amadio or it probably would still be Simmons at this point, but just somebody who can kind of transition the puck because it does seem like Spezza and Simmons, they just, they just cannot break the puck through the neutral zone at all. So I'm going to be really curious to see how, how Sheldon Keefe does adjust the lines once Matthews gets back on, hopefully, hopefully on game four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very, very evident that they are, you know, lacking speed. Like I said earlier, like I don't just want to crap on Wayne Simmons, but, this is what Sheldon Keith gets paid for. We haven't run one around in so long. Like these veterans, like sure they come in and maybe they have a little bit of guarantee. There's no room for that this year. This team needs to win. This team team needs to have success this year. Wayne Simmons is not going to get it done on that fourth line. Like he's not just off to, you know, a rough start or, or, or a, you know, a slow start to the season. Like, again, we say don't overact over two games, but this isn't an overreaction in my mind. Like it's, we saw it last year, even in the preseason. Like, this guy is not an NHL player. I think Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas need to make a tough decision here so that we can actually get the most out of our fourth line when we are healthy. And I do really like the, you know, Pierre Angval idea because, you know, we, we talked about it kind of yesterday too, um, about him being that guy that's almost feels like he's ready to take that next step and, and accept a bigger role. And I know a fourth line role doesn't sound like much, but if you – you know, sit down with Pierre Engvall and be like, listen, like we need you to get the puck into the offensive zone. And then you and Jason Spezza and whoever else your winger is can go to work. You could see our fourth line returning and being one of the best fourth lines in hockey, in my opinion, if, um, if those guys can kind of gel and, and play in those roles and, and really get the most out of each other. Well, and it would be much bigger than just your, your proto or your stereotypical fourth line role to because we saw what a what a scoring threat Spezza can present. And we've talked about it before how it could be kind of a line 3A, 3B scenario where where that third line with, with Kasha and Kampf and, and whoever they stick with them would be more defensively oriented, facing a bit tougher competition. And then you're giving that Spezza line, you know, 12 minutes a night of 
easy competition and hoping they can feast. So he, if, if Engvall can really be productive there as well as continuing to play well on the penalty kill, I think he, he'd be a vitally important piece for the Leafs. Now, once Willie was able to make it a one-goal game for the Leafs, it kind of looked like we were pressing a bit. We were doing, we were still, you know, we were applying a lot of pressure. I think the shots were 14 to nothing at one point in the third period. And then Ottawa came back with a few chances and, and, and Jack Campbell did a really good job. But I was just, in those final minutes, I was just so, so disappointed with the rest. With, with about three and a half minutes to go, Justin Hall was as clearly tripped as you could possibly be right in front of the ref. And and there was no call at all because the refs decide that game management is the most important thing, which is so annoying because you think these refs don't want to impact the game. That's their logic. And yet what happens right after that hall trip, a two on one for Ottawa. So by missing that call, that ref very easily could have caused a goal that would have made the game over. And then as if that wasn't enough, they called for the second time in the game, just, an absolute phantom hooking call on John Tavares when he literally just lifted the, the Senators player's stick. It, it's ridiculous. We're two games into the NHL season and the refs are in mid-season form. I don't, I don't understand how the NHL doesn't see a bigger problem with this. This isn't, again, this isn't a Leafs only issue. It's a league wide issue, but this game management crap from the refs, it's just, it's getting so old and so annoying. And I guarantee you, like with that with that Justin Hall trip, if they didn't call the penalty on Ottawa on Michael Bunting a couple minutes earlier, that trip gets called every time. But they're like, oh, we, we already called one this period or we can't give him another one. And then, you know, okay, that Justin Hall's not a trip. And then John Tavares goes and lifts a guy's stick. Like, I, I don't understand how you can call one and not the other. You either don't call both, which is not the way to go, or you call both, even though I think the John Tavares one, as you said, was just a stick lift. But same thing, like these refs, yeah, managing the games is like, it's it's killing the game of hockey. It's turning so many fans away, or at least making them so frustrated to the point where it's like, well, like, what's the point of watching the Leafs on a back-to-back to Ottawa if we, we know how the game's going to go? We're, we're going to get shots, the refs are going to screw us a bit, and then that that's it we're gonna lose like what what is the point of watching hockey or what's the point of watching regular season hockey and you see all these things and you see all these nice plays and then you know in the playoffs all Ben Sherratt's gonna do is walk around and cross check everyone and interfere with everyone to the point where no one can even move on the ice because they just get in cross check and held and hooked and held like the whole time and just makes it like like no one wants to watch hockey from the 70s and 80s like that was the most boring thing or the dead puck era like no one wants to see that like we want to see wide open hockey. We want to see goals. We want to see the skilled players take over. We want to see that style of game. And you know, refs calling lots of penalties doesn't mean that guys can't still hit and still be physical. It's just all the hooking and the holding and the, you know, a guy chips and chases the puck and the guy's allowed to skate in front of him and slow him way down for 10 minutes. So his defense partner can go and get the puck in the corner and make an easy breakout. Like it's all that stuff that just needs to, needs to start getting called and you know, it might make for a little bit of bad hockey early on, but it's going to make the rest of the season so, so much better. And I don't know how long it's going to take for the NHL to realize this, but the sooner they do, then the sooner the sport of hockey can actually grow and actually, you know, maybe contend with some of the other sports that are dominating the markets in North America. Yeah, you Exactly like you said, it might make the game a little bit harder to watch because there'd be 20 penalties for each team. Like there was, um, you know, right after the NHL lockout before the refs decided to just go back to game management. But we did see that season 
players adjust. If you start calling trips, guess what players won't do? They won't trip people. If you start calling cross checks, Ben Sherratt's going to stop because he's going to spend 90 minutes in the box in a 60 minute game. Like it's just, it's just so logical. And it's not so much even complaining about from a Leafs fan perspective. Oh, they screwed us because I know the Leafs get away with the same BS too. It's just that it's so annoying to see refs when you, you know, they see it, you know, that they know that that's a trip and they still don't call it because look at NHL linesmen. They get like 99.98% of, of the offside calls rate. It's not that these guys don't have functioning eyes. It's that they don't have functioning brains. They decide, Oh, I'm going to manage this game. I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep it close. And in doing so, I'm going to give away two on ones because teams are allowed to trip. It's just, we should make a pact to try to not talk about it as much this year, because it's just going to be something that comes up every game and it's just going to take away our enjoyment. But man, is it frustrating? It's just annoying. You know, as a lifelong hockey fan, we've, we've kind of seen, you know, earlier on when we were kids, we saw one style of the NHL and then they came back from the lockout and things actually looked like maybe they're progressing a, a little bit. They're calling more penalties. They're trying to get rid of all these, you know, obstruction stuff and stuff like that. And now it feels like they're just reverting back to this like slow, grindy, weird type of game. That's, I don't know, personally, as a hockey fan, even if I take myself away from the Leafs, even if I ignore the Leafs, I'd way rather watch a game that is full of skill and full of players with space and, you know, being able to make creative plays and score nice goals than a 1-1 game where all the defensemen do is just maul guys in front of the net and there's so many cross-checks. No one can even pass the puck. They just have to grind it along the boards because everyone's just hooking and holding. Like, that's not enjoyable to me. I just I want to watch skilled hockey players for their skill. I don't want to watch guys like Ben Strauss is a perfect example because he absolutely sucks at hockey. But he gets away with so much. And Zidane Char is the same thing. Like, you, Zidane Char would have been out of the league at 30 if they actually called the rule book on him, but he gets away with so much. So he's, you know, still a somewhat effective player in the league. And I don't want to watch Zidane Char walk out and just hook and hold everyone because he's 18 feet tall. I want to watch Austin Matthews absolutely come down, dangle the crap out of him because he can't skate at all and roof one top shelf. Like, it, it just, it's such a logical decision. And I mean, I don't know why all the dinosaurs in the NHL front office, or not front office, um, in the NHL kind of higher-ups haven't realized this too, but, I mean, I guess we'll get there in 50 years. Yeah, once uh, the old gremlin Bettman finally retires, maybe we'll maybe we'll see something. Just kidding, Bill Daly will come and ruin the next 20 years, but it is what it is, and that's kind of how the game ended. It, it was uh, <laughs> the last 40 seconds of the game, or however many seconds it was, were, were quite uneventful because, well, the Leafs had four guys, and... To be honest, up to that point, they weren't doing a ton to kind of create chances and look like they were coming back. But maybe if they had gotten that penalty from the from the hall trip earlier on, it would have been a different story. But with that said, Lebda, I think we should move into our uh, stars of the game. And since I was a greedy man and I went with, with the first star last night, I'll give it over to you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's probably only two choices, so it's not a super hard one, but uh, I'm going to follow suit with uh, what you did last night, and I'm going to give it to our uh, our main man, William Nylander. Really bum, 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 bum. Enough about my really. Again, it's hard, to, it's hard to argue. Two points on the night. Absolute snipe on the power play. You know, he's handsome as ever. Like, what, what, can, what else can you really say about our absolute Swedish superstar, Willie? 
You can't say it. It's already been said a thousand times by us, but I will just continue to say it again. I love that man. I love him so much, and I just – I think he's amazing. <laughs> now, moving on to my star. You said it. There were only two real options, and even though this guy put up an expected goals of 8%, at five on five, the man was an absolute unit on the power play because he he gave a laser beam pass over to Willie to set up that goal. And he more impressively ripped one home to, to kind of get the Leafs back into the game. And that is Jason Spezza. I need a vintage boy my outfit. What can you say about vintage other than I love him too? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't need to go too, too in depth with our stars tonight because uh... – Everything that needs to be said about Jason and Spezza and William Nylander has always been or has already been covered just endlessly on this podcast. So yeah, I guess we'll we'll pretty much leave it there. Uh, you got any final thoughts on the evening sats? Indeed, I do not. And uh, we should let everybody know. I know we we came up with a surprise podcast tonight. I was able to uh, sit up here till four thirty a.m. to record this. I'm glad we were able to and. definitely we will not be recording one after the Saturday game, but we should be back to our regular schedule after that. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot guys for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at buds all day cast. Keep up to date on all Leafs news and everything buds all day on there. Other than that, that's it for us and uh, have a good night, everyone.